Dr. Alan Leica here, and I'd like to welcome you to How to Live a Fantastic Life Show, where we will be discussing the important aspects of your life. We hope to inspire you to live the best life you can. Get out of your comfort zone and explore the awesome world around you. Break through your barriers. Take inspired action. Use the difficulties in your life to achieve the best version of you. Today we have a real special guest by the name of Daniela Stein, and she's a medical doctor uh, who works in the Opal Trafalgar Medical Hospital. Dr. Stein is a family physician, and she's certified by the College of Family Physicians of Canada, and she's a functional medicine doctor. She is also an assistant clinical professor in the family medicine department at McMaster University. Now, she has been trained in South Africa, and when she talks to us, you'll see her delightful accent and, and all that goes with it. But she's also been around. She's been in South Africa. She's been in, in many places in Canada and Switzerland and the U.S. Her very much of her passion is in the wellness industry, and she exudes wellness and wants everybody to have a healthier, better life as a result of that. Daniela, welcome to our little show. Thank you, Dr. Laika. Thank you so much for having me. So you work full-time, you have three children, and you are a triathlon athlete. Yes, what advice do you give to young moms on how to help their kids in this day and age? This is something I'm so passionate about. I'm so appreciative and grateful for the quality of life that I can have. And I really want to share it with, with everyone out there. We have this ability to live this life so full of joy and energy. But I, I believe it's important for us to consciously choose that. I, it doesn't just happen on its own. You know, we so often get stuck in a, rat race of, of not living our optimal best, our optimal life. However, I believe that if we want to, we can do it. If we intentionally set those goals of, of living a strong, healthy life, of being full of energy so that we can invest that energy into our children, into our families. It's a choice we, we, we can make. There is a couple of things that help me and that helps my patients to to live this very full, healthy, strong life, you know, to give us energy to run up and down a sledding hill with our children. And I've broken it down in a couple of cornerstones. The first thing is very good nutrition. You know, working in a big hospital, I often see patients our age in their 30s or 40s, my age in their 30s or 40s, that have significant illnesses from kidney disease caused by diabetes, which is, has been caused by unhealthy habits where they just honestly didn't know that not eating healthy can cause disease. So that is something that I'm very passionate about is to teach people to eat healthier, to really understand that the choices we make by eating a lot of veggies by giving our kids lots of veggies by choosing foods that look the way that it looks on a farm, not manufactured in a big factory coming out of boxes. 
but really looking the way food, veggies and meat look the, the way it looks on a farm. If we eat food that way, we can really improve our quality of life, improve our energy levels, improve our own longevity, live longer, live stronger, live healthier. You know, a, a lot of people kind of don't realize how they didn't live with optimal health until they start following these basic principles of really eating a very, very healthy diet with loads of veggies, trying to eat all the different colors of the rainbow. So not just eating broccoli. That don't eat a healthy diet, at least at the start, might find that a little difficult. You know, they might find it totally radical to turn away from the foods that they regularly eat. So one of the things I suggest for them is to eat their veggies first. You know, the very first thing they should eat is a salad or they should eat some of their veggies first before they eat the other things. That has the dual advantage of helping you eat something healthy. And it also fills your stomach up with something healthy so that there's less room for the things that are a lot less healthy afterwards. Yes, that's great advice. And even if you can't have that plate full of veggies, if you're just aware and adding veggies to every meal, right? To make sure that at least there are veggies at every meal. Yeah, You know, it's amazing. My grandchildren, for example, will still eat pizza, but they love vegetables. They will eat their broccoli. They will eat their carrots. They will eat their other things. And and in fact, that's one of the things that they love to do. So it's not that difficult to do when when parents start to introduce this at a younger age and and it's something that is is a fairly simple thing to do that that uh, once they get into the regular pattern of doing that it becomes something that becomes a regular uh, thing to do rather than something that's a that's something that's added out of the out of the norm Definitely. And what I found very helpful for me, because I have three young kids, what I do is I would have a snack platter on our kitchen table, which would be cut up fresh broccoli, cauliflower, cucumbers, peppers, celery sticks, and with a good hummus that I make myself from chickpeas, a little bit of anything that really has a lot of antioxidants like garlic or lemon juice in it. And then the kids don't necessarily see that as me pushing veggies. It's them when they get hungry and they want to start grazing, they eat healthy snacks. And then I feel by the time their dinner come or lunch come, I know they've had adequate veggies inside and feel that pressure to push veggies at the meal. Because when they were hungry before mealtime, they ate their veggies. Yeah, for sure. And another thing that's fairly simple to do is to drink more water. You know, I I think that's one of the things that people don't drink enough water. And it's something that all of us need to take the presence of drinking more water because that helps us with our regular functioning as well. I think that's something helps. Is that not right? That's a big thing. So mild dehydration can cause physical fatigue. It can cause mental fatigue. It can cause brain fog and headaches. And if you think about it from a doctor perspective, 70% of our bodies are made out of water. All our cells are filled with water. So everything needs water to function optimally. And especially now that we have winter, we don't always think about drinking water. But if you understand the science behind water being important 
and you really incorporate it intentionally into your day. You make sure that you complete, you drink at least two liters of water. You can, I advise my patients to put a glass of water next to their bed. And then when you wake up first thing in the morning, you would be dehydrated from fasting the whole night. Then you can have a glass of water. Some of my patients have an app on their phone that would remind them to drink water. You can make it more interesting by for your family. That's what we do. We have a big jug of water with berries or cucumber slices or, or fresh peppermint that we grow in our kitchen inside of the jug of water on that table, kitchen table next to their veggie snacks. You know, and that really makes you more aware and it reminds you to drink more water. So that's a big thing is to drink more water every day. And in addition to doing this healthy diet and, and their sleep, the very important aspect of taking care of yourself and exercising. Exercising is a very, very big part of people's lives, but I don't think we have enough time to exercise. So how do you tell people to work that into their busy schedule? You being a parent, having these three children, how do you find time to run these, these triathlons? So, yes, that is, that's something quite interesting for me personally. The reason that I do triathlons is I'm a better person when I do exercise. My mental health is better and I have more energy. I'm a better mom and I'm also a better physician if I do run. So I've just throughout my life, I've seen periods when I do prioritize my exercise. I'm able to give more to my patients. I'm able to give more to my children. So it's not even looking at the long-term health benefits. It's just looking at today, being present today on this call. If I had my run in the morning, I had that opportunity to process so many things that run through my mind to still my mind so that I can be present. I coach children's soccer. And very interestingly, when I did my coaching course, we were actually taught that the more active a child is at four or five years old, the, determines how active that child will be as an adult one day. Because, you know, now they say sitting is the new smoking, how a lot of people had heart disease and problems from smoking 20, 30 years ago. People get similar problems now from just sitting all day. But we have that power to teach our kids at, at three, four, five years old to be more active. And when we teach our kids to be more active, they actually learn a certain degree of proprioception and comfort in their own bodies, which will enable them to be more active as adults. And it's quite easy with little kids. We can take them to the park. We must make sure they get out of the house. And we used to live a little bit north of where you live in Alberta. And it was very cold with little kids. You know, we literally at minus 30 degrees Celsius couldn't have our kids for more than a half an hour outside at a time. And it takes half an hour to get your kids dressed into their winter clothes and winter boots. So it's effort. It's not easy. But once parents understand that you taking your kids out of the house three times a day to just go and swing, to play in the park, to go a little bit of sledding, that you're actually investing in your kids. It's an investment that doesn't cost us money, but that can be worth more than, than a special education or a special educational toy. It's really to teach our kids that proprioception of just climbing up and down the play structure in the park. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, 
although it, it is difficult to get kids involved in, in cold weather exercises and things like that, you know, it's worth it. It's, it's worth it to have it happen. And if you're lucky enough to live in a warmer climate, well, make sure it happens and make sure it happens on a regular basis. And to be intentional about it, it can be so easy. You can go for a walk around the park during your lunchtime. You can do a stretch session, you know, especially you, Dr. Laika, that has podcasts and you're on radio stations and you're working in your book. I can imagine you must be spending a lot of time in your office. But there's these awesome YouTube videos to do stretching and yoga at your desk. What you do is you basically build it into your schedule. You literally build a little time into your schedule. So although my um, times are set in hour blocks, my show is only a half hour long. So I'm able to put the time aside in which I'm able to do the things that are necessary as well. That's smart. Oh, that's very smart. See, I can gain a lot of wisdom from you. Well, you know, I I think you have to schedule things in your busy schedule because uh, you being a doctor, I, I think oh, for sure. so easy to let the world to take care of, take over and take control of things. And so easy to let things get out of control. So you really have to make sure those things happen. You really have to make sure you, you, you take the time to yourself. And that's where a whole thing has to be about mental health as well. And mental well-being has to be worked on. And and tell us how you feel about that. How do you work on your mental health? And how do you recommend other people to work on their mental health? Yes, so that's critical. And this, this answer looks different for different people. So for me personally, I enjoy being active. For me to go for a run, it helps me to process things. It helps to still my mind. It helps me to focus on my breathing. And there's, there's big studies that's been done here in Toronto where they take a group of children with ADHD and they let a group of them walk outside between houses and the other group will be walking between trees. And then walking between trees lower your blood pressure. It improves your concentration. It decreases ADHD. So there's all the science behind, we call it ecotherapy, being out in nature. So that is something that's big for me, where I kind of get two in one. So for me, I know running is more beneficial for my well-being running outside between trees than running on the treadmill. It's something that I didn't particularly enjoy. For other people, this looks a bit different. For some people, breathing can make a big difference to their mental well-being. If you, the way you slot in exercise, you can even schedule in breathing or when something happens, someone calls you or you get upset, to consciously decide to do a couple of breathing exercises. When you breathe deep, your diaphragm expands and it stimulates your vagus nerve, which stimulates your parasympathetic system. So when we are stressed out, when we are anxious, when we are depressed, our body secretes adrenaline and cortisol, which are all our negative stress hormones. It's our sympathetic system that goes into overdrive. But once we do deep breathing exercises, we stimulate our parasympathetic system, which is our being calm system. And that makes a big difference to our calmness, our um, our own mental health. There is a couple of things. So the one thing is exercise for your mental health. The other one is eating healthy. 
because 90% of our feel-good hormone, serotonin, gets produced in your gut. So very interestingly, in some studies, it's shown that a very healthy diet full of prebiotic and probiotic foods are even superior than certain antidepressants in increasing your serotonin levels in your brain. Another thing for that is really helpful for mood is mindfulness. And what I mean with mindfulness is to become aware of the conversation that you have in your mind, to become aware of thoughts, and to become aware of emotions, and to create some space, some distance between you and an emotion, to realize that this depressed emotion or anxious feeling is not you. It is what it is. It's an emotion. It's a thought. It's a feeling. But it doesn't define you. And as we start practicing mindfulness, there is a part of mindfulness which we call dissociation, where we recognize thoughts, feelings for what they are. And and we really just create that space to recognize it as a mood or as a feeling. And then as you get better with this process, you can introduce your own thoughts and emotions you choose. So when you recognize that you have an anxious thought or an a stressed out thought, you can willfully replace that with a good thought. And a place I often advise patients to start with is with a gratitude list. If you can every day write down something that you're grateful for, for that day, something good, something like you said, Dr. Laika, that you're having a beautiful sunshiny day. It's very cold, but it's, you, you didn't, look only onto, onto the coldness, you see the sunshine, you, you immediately, you know, in your sentence, you found something good in it. So you can, you can teach your brain to do that easy ways with the gratitude, find something good every day. And then when you start spiraling down negative thought pattern to recognize that you're spiraling down a negative thought pattern to stop that and to go to your gratitude list and intentionally replace that with uplifting thoughts, with things you're grateful for. And there is a lot of science behind that. You know, they've looked at monks who specifically do meditation on gratefulness and how it stimulates happy areas in their brain and where they lead a more happy life just by consciously focusing on being grateful. I find another important aspect of all this is to be happy and laugh. You know, oh, yeah. I think one of the hardest things people do, because we're always so serious, uh, mm-hmm. Dr. Stein, we're always, you know, when I was a doctor, I was dealing a lot with skin cancers. I was dealing a lot with people with difficult diseases. You as a hospitalist deal with people with heart attacks and, and, mm-hmm. and bad diseases and cancers mm-hmm. and things like that. So even in those situations, you can find something to laugh about as a, as a, on a daily basis, you can help people to see a a funny side to, to uh, all this. One of my friends is a professional speaker by the name of Helen Klein. And many years ago, he had, he, his wife passed away at a very young age at the age of uh, 30 from primary biliary cirrhosis. 
Mm. Now, that's a very bad disease where the liver basically stops functioning at a very early age. And during her hospitalization, uh, she saw a, a Playboy magazine and she saw a picture of a, a man. She said, oh, that's a nice picture. Let's put it on the wall. Well, this was a Christian mag- hospital. And we, we probably shouldn't do that, he said. <laughs> so they took a leaf from a plant and they put it on the private part. <laughs> Unfortunately, the leaf started to wilter after about three days. <laughs> <laughs> But but listen, we're laughing about that as a story. We're laughing about that as a very funny thing that happened in a very difficult time in a person's life. Okay, so I, I think that's how we have to approach things in, in a way that we look at things in a very difficult way. Even in a very difficult time, there's funny things to laugh at. Yes, and, and there is science behind that. So for me, I always intellectualize things, but there is science behind laughing because when you do laugh, you secrete all these happy hormones and it makes your brain think that you're happy. Same thing when you're watching the news and your brain secretes stress hormones, your brain thinks that you're stressed out and you become all stressed out. But then when you laugh, and I think that has been really something that carried me through working on the front lines throughout this pandemic is the fact that my husband and three children has this incredible ability to embrace life and enjoy life and laugh. The way my husband can barely laugh, it is just wonderful. I, I love hearing him laugh. I love hearing my kids laugh. And that, that, that's, that's really been something that really carried me through everything is, is to be able to, <laughs> to well, have contagious laughter in the house. I, I think children have an amazing way to make us Incredible. Laugh. Uh, my grandson, Zachary, it's his birthday today. So, you know. Oh, happy birthday, Zachary. During the summer, we were uh, we're going to, uh, running at, at our lake cabin. And as Zachary says, I'm going to race your grandpa. So he, he's, I, I start off as fast as I can, and I'm not as fast as I used to. And I look over at him, and he's going like this. <laughs> and I said, what are you doing? He said, giving you a chance, grandpa. Oh, yes. <laughs> Oh, that is so cute. Children have an amazing way to bring things out of the situations that we otherwise would not find funny, you know? And also at this young age that he has that compassion and that kindness, he's going to be like his grandpa one day and he's going to make the world a better place. Well, I think so. I think he has a big chance to do that. But, you know, I think we got to let children be children as long as they can be. I think we want our children to grow up too fast in this day and age. I think we're always pushing our kids to do too much too quickly. And I I really think we should let them do the things that they like to do. I I really think we, we need to give them that opportunity to do things they want to do rather than things they have to do. And I think we are at the chance now that we have that ability to let them do that. They have a, a great opportunity to do things that we would have never been able to as children. No, for sure. Yes, oh, definitely. You're right. But then it's still hard for someone like me with a type A personality that really enjoys just doing so many things. I find it is so easy for me to push my kids to be doing all these things. And that's something that I really learned as I journeyed through this during the pandemic, where all their activities was cancelled. And now again, we're in another lockdown phase. So hockey is cancelled, gymnastics is cancelled, figure skating is cancelled. 
but it enables me to to spend more time with them playing board games, laughing, and it also helps them to just be kids. I think so. And I think that's the things we got to do. Yes. You know, the pandemic has been tough on people, but we have to look at the golden lining. You know, yes. when in the world have we had this opportunity to spend time on ourselves doing the things we want to do more? When have we had the times to spend time at home in, in our home environments? We have not had this time. We've been doing things at breakneck speed for, for so long that it becomes very difficult to do the things that we want to do. It becomes mm-hmm. the thing that we want to do in, in a way that we like to do them. So mm-hmm. I relish these days that we've had because I know they're not going to last forever. And mm-hmm. I know that things are going to pick up again and go at breakneck speed again. Yes, you're right. <laughs> you are right. Yes, that's words of wisdom. I hope all our listeners can do that to really embrace. And, and that's part of mindfulness and intentional living is, is to find the good in our current situation, in our current day, and to embrace that. That's right. Well, I always uh, work almost close to our end already, believe it or not. Time has flown by as it always does. Uh, I always like to ask two questions, and one is on a personal level, Dr. Stein. How do you live a fantastic life? I, I believe in God, and I believe that God will work out everything together for my good. So it helps me to take a lot of anxiety and stressors of all the world off my plate because I feel that it's it's not my stress if there are things happening in the world. I can let go and let God for that part. So th- that really takes a big chunk out of my life. And then to focus on my values. My sister helped me to work through a couple of books to determine my own values. And what's important to me is family and growth. That helps me to live a fantastic life because I know that's my values. I know that if I spend more time on my values, which is my family and my my growth mindset and helping people around me to grow. And then and that's the whole aim of my wellness business is helping people grow. I know that I get fulfillment from that. Well, that's fantastic. And in my chat, in my book, there's a little chapter on non-negotiables. And those are yes. your two non-negotiables. And I'm glad you've been able to define those so clearly and succinctly. Yes. Second, a great book. I really enjoyed your book. Your book improves my quality of life. It uplifted me. So thank you for that. Well, thank you. And, and one thing I, I have done with that book is I've actually written it in a fairly simple fashion. So I encourage you to reread it and reread it because each time you'll find something more in it that will bring you to another level. Sounds good. I'll so, do that. Second I'll question. How do you recommend other people have a fantastic life? Dr. Stein. I think same thing. If you can determine your values and you can go online and find an app, some a value finder to recognize your values and then to be intentional, something that I've really found with many of my wellness clinic patients that really help them is to keep a journal so that you're at the end of the day that you can journal it. It's really just to help you process to see what gave me joy today, what sparked joy in my life. And what suck the life out of me. And when you can recognize that, you can tailor your life to be more focused on good things you enjoy. Because quite often, we live our lives around things we don't enjoy. We don't enjoy folding laundry and doing dishes. And there's a lot of things we don't enjoy. 
But then when you recognize that and you recognize that but what you do enjoy is going with your kids on a bike ride, you'll prioritize that. Because quite often I would tell my husband, oh, you go with the kids, I'll get all the chores done. But because I'm aware that it's not the chores that's giving me joy, it's the kids, I make sure that I go with them to enjoy those things, right? So that is what I would recommend to people to journal, to write down at the end of the day, what gave you joy and what to, what diminished your joy that day. For sure. And, and there are always tasks that none of us like to do. But, you know, one thing I found along the way is if you share those tasks with others, it makes it so much easier. It makes it so much easier. They go so much quicker and they just vanish even before they start. And then when you did go on that bike ride and everyone helps you fold the laundry after, right? Your whole day would be better. (laughs) For sure. For sure. Well, Dr. Stein, thank you for being on our show today. How can others find you if they'd like to? So my website would be easiest. That's www.wellnessmdhealth.com. Or you can follow me on Instagram at WellnessMD, or you can also find me on Facebook. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Dr. Stein. I want you to have a fantastic day and a fantastic life. Thank you, Dr. Laika, to you as well. All the best. Thank you. Well, to our listeners, I hope to talk to you soon. Bye for now. You've been listening to How to Live a Fantastic Life. Be sure and pick up a copy of Dr. Laika's book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life, on Amazon.com. And you'll want to subscribe right here on this page so you don't miss a single episode. Have a fantastic day.